0: Welcome back, language professionals from around the world, to another season of the Brand the Interpreter podcast. This is Mireya, your host. If you are new here, welcome. This podcast is all about highlighting the stories of language professionals, that is, the interpreters and translators from around the world. Through this platform, I aim to not only shine a light on the profession itself, but also introduce the people that do this work very much behind the scenes. And from time to time, I bring in topics that may be related to the language industry and could affect us as language professionals, or perhaps simply help us become better in what we do. So if you're new, thank you for joining me. And I hope that you enjoy the podcast and ultimately share it amongst your colleagues. If you are a faithful returning listener, welcome back and happy new year to you all. I thought of bringing you today's topic as a great way to start out the year. After such great engagement with Carlos's episode last month, Knocking on Doors, I wanted to expand on this topic as a way to help add some healthy practices to our daily interpreting or translation routines. And so I hope that you enjoyed today's conversation. And of course, as always, as I always request, Help me share this information and these episodes on your social media platforms so that others can also connect with the content, connect with the guests, and enjoy and learn from these episodes. Remember to subscribe to the email list so that you don't miss out on any Brand the Interpreter podcast-related updates. I keep these emails short because, well... Ain't nobody got time for long and extensive emails. So if you've not done so already, head on over to the website, brandtheinterpreter.com and subscribe to the email list. Oh, and uh, by the way, before we start today's episode, don't meditate and drive. There's a section in today's episode in which we actually walk through a guided meditation practice. And so it goes beyond saying that if you're driving, do not try this in the car or while driving. Wait until you get back home and you actually are able to fully engage uh, with the experience in order for you to try it. Okay, and now, on with the show. Francisca Oces, or as her friends know her as, Mana, is a Spanish consecutive remote interpreter. She is a certified yoga teacher and taught for years at an addiction recovery center, both acting and yoga. Mana has a passion for learning and is continuously working to improve. Now, she is working towards becoming a translator for yoga, meditation, and related topics. And today, she is here to help us learn some short meditative practices during our working routines that can help us become better language professionals. So, who's in for starting this new year with some healthy practices? I know I am. Then without further ado, please help me welcome, all the way from Chile, Francisca Oses to the show. Francisca, welcome to the show. It's a delight to have you here today.
1: Thank you. I feel super excited already. I have uh, little things that I would like to share with the audience and some things I'd like to share also about myself a little bit. So I'm pretty excited. Thank you for this opportunity.
0: No, the pleasure is all mine. And I'm really excited to be able to share this topic on this platform, which by the way, I've been very much looking forward to to finding an individual that had the combination of the profession in addition to this topic that we're going to dive into in just a little bit. So again, the pleasure is all mine and I welcome the opportunity and I'm grateful that you're here with us today to share your story and whatever message comes out of this conversation. So thank you let's get into knowing Francisca or should I say mana because you, you were telling me pre-recording that Francisca is for when you're in trouble right
1: yes uh when uh yeah um usually when someone calls me Francisca is not a bit, not a good thing around my house so I don't really appreciate it I would rather go by mana but it' It's all right. I understand that as I sign my contracts and everything, it needs to go under that name. So,
0: yeah. Well, for today's <laughs> conversation, since I'd like always for it to feel like it's just a chit chat between a couple of individuals that are curious about, you know, the information and, and that's out there about the profession, we'll go with Mana. So Mana, would you yes. please share with us a little bit more about you? Share us where you're currently at and where you grew up and perhaps even a fond childhood memory of yours.
1: Yes. So I am here in Santiago de Chile. I have lived here my whole life. And uh, first, we lived uh, in a small apartment, my family and I, and um, I didn't really quite uh, get used to it. I didn't have the time to get used to it because then we moved into a country area on the outskirts of the city. And, uh, right now I'm, I live in, in El Cajon del Maipo, um, San Jose de Maipo, which is a very tourist, uh, has a tourist appeal to it. And I've been living there already for over 25 years or more, something like that. Yes. Wow. That's where I am. And, um, if you ask me about a fun, a fun childhood memory, I would say I would uh, dress up like a princess and pretend I was a uh, Disney princess and and taking advantage of the surroundings, right? Because I'm in the mountains. So I'd be like, yeah, singing and playing with the dogs and having the whole fantasy <laughs> in there.
0: Yeah, like this whimsical yeah. world of yours, right? Thanks to yeah. nature. You mentioned yeah. real quick... Um, That you're in the mountain area, so it's a mountainous area, but it's also very uh touristic. So there's there's a lot of tourists that are in that area. What is it that you're nearby? I don't I don't tend to put those two and two together unless there's something there that tourists are trying to come and see. So what's nearby?
1: I understand. So in Santiago, Santiago is a city. It's a really big city. So this is the uh. This is the nearest that they have to get a breath of fresh air. Mm -hmm. So people would come here in order to, you know, get their kids to have some fresh air, go to the pool, maybe swim a little bit, go to the thermal waters, uh, go in the pool or restaurants, uh, trekking, kayaking,
0: you name it. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Uh,
1: What's the name of this? Uh, Parapente, like skydiving.
0: Got it. Yeah. No, I didn't I didn't mean to sound so naive about what's there to do in the mountains. Obviously, there's always no. something to do, but I thought maybe you were gonna say, oh, well, there's I've never been to to Chile. So heck, i hardly ever travel outside of California, I must admit, which sounds so awful. So so Chile to me just sounds amazing. But um no, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. That that makes a lot of sense and and why being surrounded by all of that. Uh, as a child, you, you'd feel like you were in your own fairy land, per se, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely thought so, yeah. <laughs> so what is it like? Are you the only child, Mana?
1: I have um, an older brother, a younger brother, and half-sister.
0: And a half-sister. Yeah. And did you grow up basically... Playing out there in the outdoors on your own, creating your own little world, or how? What was that like?
1: A little bit of that, and also books. Um, (laughs) I um I had a VHS tape, which had the um, VHS tapes for the uh the Sleeping Beauty and Beauty and the Beast, and I would watch those all over again. And when that was uh was like over, then I would sit with some book or or a magazine. Um, anything that I could, uh, anything that I could dive into for reading, I would be there. Uh, And also I I needed when I was uh, about nine, I also need to be needed to be around my little brother because he was very young. So he was like in a, in a sort of walker, Uh, you don't use this anymore, but in a sort of walker. And I knew that whenever I heard that rattling sound of going back and forth, he was all right, so I, I listened to that. And when I didn't hear that, then it was like, No, he's somewhere, I need to something's check wrong. So, yeah, something's wrong, something's <laughs> not right. So,
0: I'd be like, There, yeah. so common for, for us parents that definitely it's like the opposite not if they're making noise, all is well. The yeah. moment yeah. that silence, you know, <laughs> falls upon us when there's children, worry, <laughs> worry <Yeah. laughs> that's hilarious. Which I guess kind of makes sense when you think about it as to what you aspired to be when you grew up. Share with us about that.
1: (laughs) Okay. So um, um, I put this bit of information thinking that it would never come out, but uh, here it is. Um, I wanted so bad to be a model (laughs) first. So when we lived at the apartment, I would be like, uh, making my own runway run- runway show and crossing in front of the TV, and that would not be greatly appreciated by the other members of my family who were trying to watch uh, soccer. So I just at the, at the time when I, when I was like living the fantasy of the fame and glory and like the flashes of light. So yeah, <laughs> I really wanted to be a model or a princess or something
0: like that a princess and a model or something yeah. like that i love it, I love it. <laughs> what did you think as 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 a young kid that really interested you about that world about the modeling world what do you what do you think it was
1: uh i think it was the 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 feeling of uh, maybe I, because i look at it this way right now since i'm older but i believe it's feeling like em- empowered mm empowered like you get to be in all of this I don't know anything about bottling I I don't pretend to be but I guess it would be something like feeling really empowered and confident in your body mm-hmm. and be showing like yeah this is clothing what's that and be like super confident as a woman feeling great feeling gorgeous and that really appealed to me <laughs> at the time
0: that's a beautiful answer actually uh you know especially in retrospect as we think about it because of course as we're kids, we're not thinking about the whys behind things. We just mm-hmm. we just are doing, which is what makes us so courageous, I think, when we're children. It, it gives us that that courage to do the things that now we overthink or overanalyze and would perhaps never uh do unless we're acting silly or something of the sort, right? But but realistically speaking, it's probably not something that we we would do uh as an adult. And so thinking back and and feeling like yeah it's it is about the confidence that that they portray and about feeling feeling good in our own bodies and, and feeling beautiful. I love that answer. That's that's exactly what I still think and we'll get to that in just a bit that you are still modeling quote unquote mm-hmm. that um especially that feeling within just in a different way. You're no longer blocking soccer games, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so yeah. share with us now, Mana, um, what was it like? How did you, what was school? Were you infused with the English language at school or was it at home? Or talk to us about your languages and how that came to be.
1: Yes, of course. So my grandmother on the side of my mom, she learned, I understood. I understand that she had up to th- three languages I understand a little bit of French a German and English very much very much germ- uh, English so she had these books uh, that I uh, f- uh, found later on uh, when she already passed but it was about all oh, oh, writing English letters and uh, knowing how to how to communicate in English and I always had that uh, on the on my grandmother's side she was always very like that so she would invite a friend over to Chile and and uh, they would only communicate in English. And they told me afterwards that whenever I didn't understand the conversation when they were there, because they obviously were talking in English, right? So I would start to cry or throw a tantrum. Yeah, I didn't know that bad at the time, but yes, I guess so. Um, and later on, my mom studied German and also studied English. So I had that and uh, when I was at school, they really enforced the language uh, acquisition of, of English also. And I was fortunate enough to have great teachers who were always um, trying to, yes, encourage encourage me to provide me with the tools that I needed to. Uh, if they found that that I could uh, give more that I could understand more, so they would request more of me, ask for more of me. So, I was fortunate enough that I was at a great school. Yes, that much yeah. I I need to say. Yeah,
0: you were you were challenged as as they they would see that you had the potential. So I think that yes. right they would challenge you a bit more. So you you are surrounded by languages with your family and then, of course, in school curriculum uh, as in, imposed by you. Were you ever thinking anything with regards to languages or was it just something that was happening at the time and you weren't really thinking much about it?
1: I wasn't thinking about it as a profession. I uh, Unfortunately, I lived a, a thing. Uh, just I changed schools at what time and uh this teacher was like pointing me out uh in front of the other students like she knows uh english and you don't so she'll get further and she'll get further in life and you will not and i was like no uh this is bad and i didn't i mean i associated that with a bad thing i wouldn't want to i didn't want to be like the out uh the outsider mm-hmm. because of a thing that i didn't I mean, I just understood it. When when someone placed it in front of me, then I could understand it, but I didn't see that as a, as a good thing, something that I should be proud of or maybe something that I could uh, make a living out of. But as this thing, this maybe a weird thing that mm-hmm. I didn't completely understand. Mm-hmm. I just knew that if I saw a word in a language that I didn't understand, then I immediately had to learn it. I immediately had to grasp it. I had to understand and get to the bottom of it because I understood that when you have uh, something in a particular language, you get to think in the way that that language is, is presented to you. So, I just wanted to like um like an like an archaeologist, I guess. I was trying to find the meaning beside uh, behind words, and I'm not I'm not sure if I saw that as a good thing or maybe as a professional uh future, but mm-hmm. just as something that I had inherit, inherited inherited uh, in me. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And the experience sometimes I think it's it it speaks volumes. In that case, it wasn't feeling right that someone yeah. was utilizing something that, you know, perhaps it wasn't it wasn't such a big deal at the time. Um, but in a way to make others feel bad. I'm yeah. sure the intention behind it was to try to encourage others um to potentially pick up another language or to pay attention, right? But of course, it, it, along the way, something like that. I mean, it made both sides feel bad, yeah. right? You, you on one end, and then of course, potentially the kids on their end that they didn't have that opportunity. Talk to us a little bit more about your trajectory then, um, as you went on to to school and university. What were you thinking then in terms of studies, and what was happening with the languages? How are you practicing it? Because we yes. hear a lot about people picking up another language in the classroom, but then they don't practice it and so they lose it. so what was going on with you around that time?
1: so uh, the first uh the first thing that I studied was uh, actually was actually Chinese. I wanted to be a chinese uh, in uh, tr- translator interpreter well didn't have it at the end I don't remember what it said, but I took up to two years and a half and don't please don't ask me about the chinese because I I'm really, but I was really into it. Um, and then um, my father because here in Chile, education is uh, you have to pay it yourself. This whole thing about the which came later on for people to be uh, have access uh, for free to the university or by by state funding was late was later on. Hmm. so yeah, because i'm um I'm super old. <laughs>
0: Not
1: at all. So, <laughs> Don't look it. so, so um, I, I, and my father said I was uh, about to get uh, to change into from one se- semester to the other, and for that I needed to take some tests, right? So I call and say, "Hey, uh, my number, my name is not, um, it's not in the system anymore. So I would like to know what happened because I need to take the test in order to uh, uh, move on to the next semester." And they said, "Like, no, uh, you're." Uh, you're behind because, uh, because of the payments. So I asked my father what was going on. And then then I found out just not not make a mess out of it. But my father has stopped, uh, had stopped uh, funding my, my studies, my studies. So I realized, okay, uh, here I am, I, I haven't finished this. So what do I need to do? Because I need to work and study at the same time in order to get a uh, make something out of myself right so I started I started uh I dropped a and I started studying acting then I studied I started working as an acting teacher as a drama teacher but I realized that my students would get injured if I didn't know how to properly move their body so I was using yoga as means to um to warm up before the exercises of drama. But I found out that I needed to get certified in that. So I studied yoga.
0: How did so, you begin your journey in yoga to begin with before you even started to think about, you know, including that in your drama class?
1: Uh, firstly, I um, I lived through a tough time. My My partner passed away, The which at the time was an ex already. So uh, we became exes. I mean, the end of the relationship. And then one year from then, uh, her mother calls me and me, you know, this person is in coma. So and then, um, well, she passed away. And then from that, uh, one year later, my my father also passed away. So I experienced a time in which I was asking myself, where is the sense in everything? Where is the, the meaning? Where can I find some deeper meaning? That uh, could save me from, you know, uh, losing myself or taking some rash action or I I didn't know at the time what I was looking for, but I found it. <laughs> I found it in yoga and I found that while I was teaching people acting in yoga, I was feeling more alive. And uh, really, that made me feel that I uh, that I had a purpose. I had a purpose again. I. I had a reason for living that made me really happy and just to be able to work with the people at the addiction recovery center that I work for uh which I work for for years now that is a great opportunity and I I strongly encourage anyone who's listening to if you have the opportunity to volunteer anywhere uh, because that started as volunteering but then my boss told me hey, do you want to get paid for this? And I was like, yeah.
2: <laughs> so, <Why not? laughs> was like, yeah, it could
1: be. Um, so uh, maybe in between your volunteering, you find a chance like this or maybe not. But if you can get back, um, if you can give something back to the community, then it's great. It's great. You're really making a difference. And I really saw it. I really uh, was a witness to it.
0: Yeah. What, where were you volunteering again?
1: Yes, in the Addiction Recovery Center at first, and um, then they offered me a job mm-hmm. there. Uh, teaching first in the uh, male and females are separated, so mm-hmm. I started teaching just for women and then and, and trans uh, who identified as women, of course, mm-hmm. and then to men.
0: And this is uh, volunteering yoga classes you were teaching? Yoga and, and acting. Yoga and acting. Yes. That's it. That's actually a very great topic to bring in um, just because it's not the typical, the typical thing you would hear, right? And in, in trying to teach, especially at a recovery center, I think that it infuses a lot of, of potentially the arts. And I'm just speaking, you know, just, just for the purposes of speaking, because I have no idea. I've never taken an art, an art or a, or an acting or a dance class. Um, but I imagine it allows the opportunity for creativity to to enter the space and and be able to utilize it in a way that potentially makes others feel feel good, as is the case with with you bringing in that yoga practice. But I still would like to go back and and find out how yoga came into your life. Was it always there, or was this something that? When you were seeking a way to to sort mm-hmm. of you know put your energy somewhere else, so that you didn't go down the rabbit hole of this dark space, mm-hmm. what were you seeking for, and how did you end up finding yoga?
1: I um, I had taken yoga first as um, as a subject in act while acting but i didn't think of it of it as means to uh, reach for something else something mm. something more ethereal maybe or for answers for my life uh not like that so mm. but um as i went through this all these losses and and death which was all around me um i first i volunteered uh, at a at a community library and uh, I found that in order to do my classes, I needed to first, uh, if I wanted to st- to teach acting, I needed uh, people to warm up. But then I didn't I didn't want anyone to get injured. So that's when I got uh, my yoga certification and mm. yoga gave me a whole a whole new perspective in life, uh, gave me peace of mind, gave me clarity, uh, made me understand that life doesn't need to be fair. and. It isn't for most people. It isn't so. Gave me. I think the most important thing that it gave me, like the the understanding that we're not in a rat race. Anything. uh, I mean, it doesn't need to be rushed. Things don't need to be rushed. You can take the time to appreciate what's going on, and it's perfect in that way. Mm -hmm. You don't need to. You don't need to have the this body, this car, this occupation, or this spouse. because if you're looking always forward, then you won't then you won't enjoy the present. Right. So that's what made me I I realized that I was happier while I was giving something back. And I felt more alive while I was giving something back. And yoga taught me that it can it can be done. you can share this kind of thing with people and
0: it's great. <laughs> that's beautiful. I'm curious, going back to the acting and the yoga combo when you were taking classes why do you think yoga was infused and not just regular stretching per se right just like mm-hmm. a regular stretch wait what what is the combination between the two now that you are able to to look at it from from the point of view of of a certified instructor yeah. and the student what do you think why the combo
1: you know, i uh thinking from my teacher's standpoint that I think that I understand better now. I guess it's because of the of the control of the mind. Because we already had stretching. We already had stretching. I mean, we already had dancing. And it's not that it's less about the control, but in yoga, you get really into it. Um, and uh, it, there was also Tai Chi, Tai Chi Chuan. <laughs> minute. Uh, uh Tai Chi is like um, uh, ways of... Um, it's like Qigong also, but it's a martial art. And it's a way of moving the energy in a slow, slow and, and channeling the energy, moving it in a really slow way. And it's a Chinese, um, I'm not sure if I should call it martial art, but a way of moving the energy around. Mm-hmm. So we had Tai Chi Chuan, we had yoga, we had dancing, just to make you, I guess, uh, into a more complete uh, professional. And wow. to, to make you understand the workings of the mind, because and this is just really related to acting, but if you are really, if you're going to interacting with that uh, unsettled mind state, then anything can happen. So you're not actually deciding what state of, what mood do you want to have, but you're actually, this thing is happening to you and you don't have control over that. So I guess that's the the connection there.
0: I mean, that's perfect. I can totally understand, I'm sure, at a very superficial level, but nonetheless, I can totally make the connection as to why there's a need for that, Um, especially in acting, right? If you are going to uh, zone in, for lack of a better word, uh, into this character or into this mood, or into this feeling, I, I imagine you have to be very present and and alert and in tune with what's happening in the now, as opposed to your mind, which we know can go all sorts of places, right? At any given moment. So, no, that was that was beautiful. I I, I completely understood the why behind that. Talk to us now a little bit about how interpreting even came to be you had shared a story Perfect. about uh you know seeing an opportunity at one point so share with us about how that came to be after your volunteering and working uh, at the center and then the Perfect. instruction with yoga uh
1: in 2020 um i finished my my yoga certification in january of 2020 so it hadn't really uh It it wasn't a thing yet, but it was like, uh, on the on the uh, like you would say, um, hidden hidden living Mm -hmm, through mm -hmm. hidden like in the shadows. But yeah, COVID. Yes, sorry, then I didn't didn't say the word, but I thought that I did. (laughs) Um and um, so I saw an opportunity online, and um I thought it uh, I thought about it for someone else first, but then I was like. I could, I could probably do this. So, I applied. Um, the person that I was thinking about at first uh, didn't make it. Um, and I'm, I'm really sorry about that because I think she'd be perfect. But
0: didn't okay. pass the assessment or did it? the assessment mm-hmm. the
1: the whole initial thing, uh, training and mm-hmm. uh, oh no, um, no, I'm sorry, not training, but the assessment, the first assessment. So I went through training. Um, and I was really stressed because I understood that and while in the training, I understood that it it was a great responsibility. But I also understood that it's as near as community service as it gets.
0: Mm. Let because, me pause you right there yes. uh, Mana and and if you would wouldn't mind explaining what was the opportunity that you saw Yes
1: Of course. it is for uh, it was for remote interpreting. And I thought about it. Um, I thought I could use my English, um, and I didn't know anything about it at the time.
0: Okay. So you never so, heard about remote interpreting? You had no never, idea what that was. Okay. No.
1: And um, just just the translating part. Just I understood translation, but I didn't understand interpreting. I didn't think about it as a, pers- as a profession. So when they explained to me uh, what it was about and what uh, what I was going to be doing, then I said, uh, all right. So at first I was really stressed and um, then I, I started like falling in love with it, I would say, mm-hmm. because you really get to help people. You really get to uh, help them solve their problems, um, any kind of problem that they have. And it's beautiful. It's really rewarding when people say, Thank you. And they uh, go and use these endearing terms or thank you. I couldn't have done it without you. Uh, There is one time this lady said, I couldn't do my job in English. I I couldn't do my job without you. So thank you. Mm. So that's really, it really warms my heart.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of interpreters um, join the industry with that intention. uh, Very much so is, is to help and to help others. So Mm -hmm. you join this part of this company with um, being a remote interpreter. What was the first thing that took you aback that really surprised you once you started actually uh, getting Mm -hmm. assignments? Because you started during a time that for many interpreters that had been in the industry for many years has said it was quite a difficult uh, journey, particularly going from in-person to virtual. You started as as a remote interpreter, um, mm-hmm. but you started during a time where conversations were pretty heavy, um, you know, situations were were pretty bad. So talk to us about the experience that really took you aback as to what you were doing and how indeed you were helping.
1: I remember that People were really around that time to, to 2021, people were really stressed is the thing that I got the most. People were in a hurry, they wouldn't let you finish. They were just like, okay, next, next, next. So I understood that this had to be I had to be like against the clock. Uh taking notes super fast because people were were not there were they were under so much stress or difficult situations that they couldn't they couldn't also handle you uh, being slow or taking your time or just to ask for clarification one one uh, time and time again. So I guess I try to make myself leveled in the same level as the situation
0: mm-hmm. to be in the
1: same level as the situation. Yes, I try to make myself a better professional in order, in order to match those situations. Because if I asked for clarification more than one time, then this person would lose their train of thought and they were already under lots of stress. And yes, of course, as an interpreter, you have to take some time, uh, sometimes difficult assignments. And yes, of course, I remember. But there's also this. I found out also that with your voice, just your voice, you don't need to you don't need to actually be there. But the thing is, you don't have to be robotic either. You can actually be warm. You can actually be present. You can listen that to that person and say, uh, "You you already said this idea and this idea. Do you mind uh, repeating that part last bit?" And people will be like, "Yes, yes, of course." Uh, and and make uh, make it possible for you to continue if you need a clarification from from the person. But if you prove to them that you're listening, that you're present, that you're that you're in there. You're, you're not just uh, making ends meet, uh, just working uh, and, and not contributing to this thought that we're not people because there is this thing going on also that we're not actually people. But if you make someone feel uh, like they they are heard, then you can make a lot of difference.
0: Do you think that your past training in acting has helped you in some way during your remote assignments? <laughs> yes,
1: I, yes, so much, so much, because uh, my teacher, Mr. Juan Purilem, which I really appreciate, so shout out to you, Mr. Juan, if you ever listen to this, so he taught us a way in which we didn't uh, necessarily need to be identified with the speaker or with the, with the character. Uh, we didn't need to be identified. So it isn't myself, but I could be as if I was the person. So that made me say, uh, I think that has protected a lot of my mental health. Because if you say to yourself, okay, this is going to be as if I was this person, but I'm not actually this person, I have my own things. I have my own deals, my things that I need to deal with, uh, for example, for travel, um, for problems. Everyone has them, right? But I'm going to be as if I was this person. So this person is upset. She's angry. She's uh, or he uh, is uh, worried uh, because of uh, some health uh, outcome or you don't know, actually. But if, but if you present yourself as, as some person, uh, as a person that is available, that is willing to receive that message, then you can portray it. But if you and I also found that, that if you are um, if you have any uh, preconceived ideas of what the encounter is going to be, then you're not going to get those at all. Like uh, you have to be available for anything. Anything can happen because it's a communication between two people. So they might be starting to speak about something completely unrelated, and you have to be open to that also. <laughs>
0: Okay, so let me make sure I understood. Yes. The professor taught you how to basically take on a role of a character per se, right? Yes. I'm trying to yes. I'm trying sure, to connect sure. it, right, to acting. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. no, no. That's okay. I so we take on the role of a character, but we are not the character. Yes. And so you've applied that into your interpreting assignments in which at the moment you are the person, or you take on the role of the person that you are helping, but mentally you've made the connection that you are not that person, which I think is what a lot of interpreters, particularly new interpreters, suffer from, um, you know, this, this, what they call compassion fatigue, right? Mm -hmm. After a while of so many difficult encounters is because there's not yet quite they've not learned that ability to make the disconnect, not to say that we are robotic or that we don't feel there's no empathy because as you just shared, there is a way to do that via your voice and via the way in which you are present, right? During the encounter, you're not the one that's rushed or feeling rushed through the conversation. It's the other individual that's there but that you're also able to make that mental disconnect of once that call is done then that means that that role that you took on or that character role that you took on yes. is now gone that is not part of you which is i mean that's a workshop in and of itself that's so great because it's so true how when you when you i imagine when you're taking on acting classes Just like with the yoga practice to make sure that you're present, Um, you know, this conversation about the roles and the characters is basically what we're doing. You're you're still acting, Mana.
1: (laughs) Yes, I am acting. And I make sure that whenever I I interpret, for example, you could say any sentence. So uh, how is your diabetes? How you been, have you been logging in your your, uh, your numbers for your diabetes? Um, yeah. yeah so it's very different if I say um, in a pause yeah different from yes mm-hmm. so the of course I mean of course sometimes the doctor is right there with the patient will be able to see them so it gets a whole body language and things that things that I don't see. But if I uh, try to make the message as closest to pos- uh, as possible to the intended thing, if that means a pause here and there to make it match, then that's a that's a, a thing also for me. I at least <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a thing, but
0: no, yeah, that's I I love how when we are able to make the connections between things that we think in our lives are completely disconnected, and then we come to realize that not at all everything everything has a purpose and everything has a connection we just maybe don't even don't even realize it at the moment but like in this particular case all those things that you thought were were doing or were being a part of your life for one specific reason they are still a part of your life but it was for something completely different that you hadn't seen yet um so i love that that's that's i always appreciate whenever we're able to make those connections you did speak about something that is a perfect segue into the topic of today's conversation, which does have to do with that um, mental health for interpreters, particularly those that are going through several encounters that are really difficult, or maybe that one encounter that, you know, just really tips us over. Um, there's a lot of conversation with regards to these topics of compassion fatigue, which is, you know, you're you're basically at the tipping point with the compassion that you're giving and that you're feeling, not because you're over it per se, but because there's only so much that your body can take in term in terms of that emotional aspect, right? Um, or the vicarious trauma, which a lot of interpreters speak about, um, you know, that happens after a period of time with if you don't learn how to channel you know, this emotion and this energy into something else. And you spoke a lot about um, being present and having that mental clarity. So let's get into, if you will, what are some of those practices that as interpreters, we can actively utilize after an encounter to make sure that we make a disconnection. And before we get into that, I just want to make mention that mana uh had re- responded to a post from Carlos Carlos's Nunez episode in which I shared a highlight reel and it was about how meditation he felt has allowed him the opportunity to to better concentrate specifically for interpreting encounters. Um and so he went off on a whole 10-day retreat. We're not gonna do that. We're gonna try to <laughs> give you some practical tips, uh, you know, within this this few minutes of of the the episode, but but let's get into how that how it helps, uh, how you've brought this into your own practice, into your own interpreting uh practice, and then and then we'll get into what we can do. Um, in terms of practices, like right after a call or something like that. So, yeah. uh, so let's first begin with how this all began for you and how you started utilizing it in your own practice.
1: Sure. So, it is a really important uh, important part of yoga, and um, yoga has eight limbs. We call them uh, limbs, and for for one of them, it is the asana practice, which you already know as the body postures and everything. And one of those also is Diana, and it's the meditation practice. And uh, you have it, I mean, you could get really uh, dogmatic, I, I guess, and say uh, they don't mix together. But I think uh, this whole uh, eight limbs come together as one when you're practicing all of them at once, I guess. So,
0: so there's the, I'm sorry, like, I, yes. this is, by the way... A learning experience for me as is every episode so there's going to be a lot of questions let's sure. begin first with you mentioned asana which asana. is the body posture the body postures yes so for someone that is interpreting remotely so you whether you're sitting down that's that's huge just i mean we've already started off with something super important which is body posture
1: body posture yes um i would say um I don't want you to be uh, going to a retreat to Costa Rica. I'm not sure if you could do that, but I, uh, if you <laughs> would like great. that, sounds great, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're going to be a yoga teacher, but it's really important to have a body posture mm-hmm. because um, as my teacher said, uh, we get really um, the back of our legs, the muscles that are in the back of our legs get really tight from, from all the sitting we do mm-hmm. around the day. Mm-hmm. So it's better for, uh, and they found out that Asian cultures did not have this problem because they don't sit in chairs. So
0: don't sit in a chair. Those not sit in a chair. So let's, should we be standing to do an our interpreting <laughs> assignment? Like sitting.
1: No, no, I guess um, I, what I'm trying to say is find other uh, chances to uh, maybe alternatives. Uh, there is some uh, sitting uh, blocks or maybe you could lower your desk to be seated in a in a um, I guess in Japanese it's called Hansi, hansi position which in uh, in which you are kneeling down or you could be sitting in a block or in a cushion or but you're not in a chair mm. this is really revolutionary I know but
0: I know right it's like so it's alternative sitting options yes
1: alternative yeah in order to um, make you uh also, feel more connected to your
0: body that's amazing you know what what i like about that is i think of my uh 10 year old that goes into a classroom and he needs alternative sitting options he cannot Mm -hmm. sit still for long periods of time whereas my first son that he could sit still there was no problem but it, it he, they learned completely different so my 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 10-year-old now uh when we walk into a classroom and I'm very grateful that the classrooms have this option now they didn't when my son my first one was going to school my older son was going to school but they do now and he needs to be able to sit and wiggle right he needs to yeah. he needs to have that movement and he could pay attention but his body needs to move And so that's interesting. I mean, if it's okay for our children, why would it be not okay for us as adults?
1: I know. And, and children have a way, a very intuitive way to communicate, uh, to interact with the world around them. So they need to pick something from the floor. It's not like, us, like, oh, my back and be like, yay. Like me. They, they be like, with uh, their backs completely straight and and, then bring the bottom to the ground right and like squatting and then picking up the thing and then Mm. back up so yeah we could learn a lot from children the way they move it's just great
0: interesting okay so i mean we've already begun with even body posture and not in the way that we tend to hear it commonly make sure that you sit up straight make sure that your shoulders are relaxed you know and and all that good stuff uh out here we we know it as ergonomics and so our our desks are potentially have all these gadgets to help support our lower back but everything for the most part is with it involves a chair. Now we're beginning to see uh, more options such as the standing desks in which we have the opportunity to stand and do our work. Heck, they even have the walking desk. So we we could be walking as we are working in front of our laptop. So we begin to see options out there. But I like I like what you're also offering in terms of there's there's more, though. There's more than that, right, um, in, in terms of being able to sit. And, and making the change in, number one, that we're comfortable. Number two, of course, that it's going to function with the work that we do.
1: Yes. I would say find a way that is not constantly the same. I would say in order to have a space, a working space, I find that not always eight hours uh, sitting in the same posture works for me. So I would change from one place to the other to the other if you have the chance. I'm I know I'm privileged, I'm very privileged, and I can change from one, one workstation to the other, but you don't really need much. Um, if you find the way that you'd be comfortable, then that's great. But I don't want to um, I don't want to give the message that this uh, economics are I mean they are so they are so supportive that they're not supportive. Mm. I'm not sure if you if you get me but I think um, yes, because we need to learn to uh to rely more on our on our bodies. I mean, there's there's this whole language this this whole language thing uh in yoga also. Like, no, you have to be aligned because otherwise you you injure your back. So you have to protect your back. So it's like no. I mean, the body can learn. The body is intelligent. The body can learn from. From postures and the body will learn to be as efficient as they as, as it can be when it when it learns that your body posture is the one that suits you the best and it's trying to be as as efficient as it can be with the energy resources and everything to make you uh, stay in that position for as long as you want because that's what you need. I understand that some people will have problems with their spine. And I don't want to put them in trouble. If they need extra support, then get those supports. Of course, braces, whatever you need. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is, give yourself more opportunities to move your body in a different way, so that the body can learn and that the fascia, the, the fascia is a is a tissue that is on the, on our bodies, doesn't get uh, stiff, doesn't get stiff, and doesn't fix you into any given position. Mm. So yeah. if you find ways to move around or do an exercise that you love. And teach yourself how to move in different ways.
0: That's it. And stiffness is definitely something I'm sure most of us have encountered when it comes to interpreting or translation, right? Like that's, (laughs) we've, we've felt that. So okay, body posture important, um, and and potentially uh, ways in which we can alternate our sitting arrangements to to help support uh, the body posture aspect. So that that already it feels like I can come in. Uh, to my interpreting assignment feeling a little bit more assertive and relaxed that potentially I could take on right uh uh several assignments and still have that clarity but then what about during interpreting let's say that we are going through a difficult um encounter in which emotions are high and as much as we're trying to separate the the i with their i you know, it's, it's really rubbing on, we're feeling, we're feeling it ourselves. So what could we potentially do at the moment in order to help us through this difficult encounter?
1: So I would say that the first thing is to notice it because uh, you might not believe this, but some people just don't pay attention to it. It's like, okay, and go to the next assignment, right? But no, first, uh, there's a situation going on that is making your body feel stressed. First, I would say acknowledging it and then um, placing uh, maybe uh, if that's what you would, would like. Uh, but I'm going to make a suggestion if you could please um, get back into because your body is going through a lot of stress and is trying to protect protect itself from a harm from outside uh, forces, outside danger. So uh, your heart is going to raise, you're going to start sweating, uh, The your palms and feet get cold because all of the blood comes to protect uh, the inner, the organs, right? And um, the ribs and everything that's important over there. So if you're undergoing a stress situation, the, the most important thing I would say is to uh, get out of it and um, First, acknowledging it, then getting out of it, and in a way in which we could do that is through the breathing. So, if you take this um, this opportunity as uh, a way to see, I'm not feeling right. What is going on? So, you uh, make an attempt to go into conscious breathing and count your inhalations and your exhalations. And you will find that your breathing is like agitated. It's like <gasps> <sighs> 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 So what we're trying to do is close the mouth and breathing and out through the nose. So take your time to breathe in. Take your time to breathe out. And this might be easier if you're uh, first inhaling through the nose and exhaling through the mouth. That's all right. But then go back to inhaling through the, through the nose and exhaling through the nose also. And in that way, you're signaling the body, saying that this is not uh, this is not a stress situation anymore, and you would you don't need to be in a fight or flight response. And this is really important to teach your body that it's not uh, it doesn't need to protect itself. So I would say, uh, breathe in, count your breathing, and give yourself some some love, show yourself some some compassion, some some understanding.
0: To so acknowledging it, so while we're interpreting and we're starting to feel the sweaty palms, um, the speeding, yeah, the speeding, the speeding heart rate, palpitations, we can acknowledge it and realize that oh, this is happening, right? I'm I'm feeling this as if this were me, or I'm starting to feel in this way. So we acknowledge it, and then we take deep breaths, uh, intentional deep breaths, uh, inhale through the nose, exhale through the nose. Hopefully you're able to mute your mic. <laughs> you're yes. not doing it with an open mic. There are yes. opportunities. And I know that our mind can go there in terms of what we are doing at the moment versus what the mind can do on its own. Um, and if you don't believe me, check when the next time you're reading a book um, that you're, you're, you know, you're reading, you're actively reading, but your mind might be somewhere else. And then you have to go back and say, what did I just read? Right. But you were reading. So your mind is able to do that. So I believe that we are definitely able to, to, to be interpreting, but also, you know, mindfully, um, acknowledge that something is happening. That, and and so saying, okay, this is the moment. And then as soon as you have the opportunity, I'm going to pause my mic. Or if I'm in person, I'm going to try to take when someone's talking and I'm listening, mm-hmm. right. I'm going to try to take yeah. those deep breaths because then I, I suppose that what's happening too, is we're bringing it to light. Like you said, when we bring it forward and acknowledge that it's happening, you're able to to in a way give you permission to tell the body it's okay like you're you're instructing right now right really what mm-hmm. we're trying to do is tell our body this isn't us this isn't our our fight or flight moment there is no need for us to for the body to go into this reaction you know we're okay we're safe right that's really what we're trying to do to tell our body so in the mm-hmm. moment of interpreting this is a practice that we can do what happens now i'm done with my assignment And I'm able to either walk away, um, you know, or, or end the call, however, whichever uh, modality we're in, what can we do now to help further, um, you know, that, that kind of self-protection or, you know, as a way to basically not have it affect us as much? Because there are encounters that just really, you know, the, the, the feeling is left behind. It kind of lingers in your body. So what can we do as a potential practice to be able to help us with that?
1: I wouldn't say this is meditation related, but I guess I could advise you to write it down. Why? Uh, because
0: writing can be meditative, I think. Writing right? yeah. I think
1: yes. Because um at the time you are just going to want to put it out there and tell it to someone but because of confidentiality you wouldn't be able to so just write it down and then look at it and see this is what is causing me this part right here is what is causing me to feel this way because the assignment in in itself uh maybe it's not that hard or that um um, difficult but there are certain parts of it that related to you you connected right so uh, you you are not able to continue uh, making that division anymore between their eye and your eye. So what is the part of this assignment that directly hit you and why? Mm. Why? Like, what is the content of this person's story that makes you feel uh, pain or not? maybe not pain directly, but makes you feel uh, as if you were that person? Mm. What is the part of that person's history that, it's like your history i would say and then of course destroy your notes
0: <laughs> yeah destroy yeah. your notes like a great destroy interpreter your- that you are of yeah. course absolutely but i love that because um it's it's so powerful i think that at uh, writing anything down whether it's hopes aspirations dreams you know things like that plans that we have is already a powerful tool so why not be able to channel whatever is lingering left behind that yuck feeling and mm-hmm. put it into writing and then i mean if we think about it we're throwing it away physically which means you know like like mentally That's i don't know so- what the proper term would be we're getting rid of it as in detaching it from us. So so if some of you are thinking Mireia is getting woo-woo, I mean, I'm just really <laughs> connecting with this information. And I think that it's it's really practical stuff that we can absolutely do to help release whatever it is that we're feeling so that it doesn't linger and stay behind. Cause what, ultimately what ends what ends up happening is that uh we'll deal with it later right? We'll deal with it later. And oh, that was, that was tough, but I need to get to the next assignment or I need to do something, whatever that may be next on your agenda. And the later never comes, but when it does come, it's not because you are intentionally wanting to acknowledge that it's time to take care of yourself. It's usually because something is happening to you now. That potentially may be a manifestation of whatever you've been carrying for so long. And that's what we're trying to avoid in our careers because we're just speaking about the interpreting, you know, just, just the interpreting component. We're not even considering our personal lives that re- what really is happening yeah. in our personal lives, right? And all that stuff. So so imagine, you know, both things, your what you're going through and then taking in what other individuals are going through. Super powerful, mana, super powerful, you know, write it down. What part of it do you feel is what affected you? Which part made you feel the most feeling, I guess we can say, right? Mm -hmm. And then, and then, and then of course, throwing it away, getting rid of it Mm -hmm. and and separating, detaching yourself from it. So, okay, such great stuff. I I told you guys this, this episode was going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. I, I, I totally love it. What about now then an actual meditative practice, an actual, you know, practice of meditation that we can do? And if you could explain for those that that have never really been introduced to what meditation is, what it is and how it can help us and then actually guide us through a very short meditation practice. And for individuals that are driving and listening, of course, please do not try the practice while driving but maybe once you get to your destination you can park and then re-listen and then attempt it um so so you know let's go through that now let's let's get into the meditation aspect
1: sure so i think uh, meditation has lots of um different aspects to it uh depending on the goal that you want to accomplish because you have mantras, which is um, meditation through mantras, of course, uh, which is which is a kind of a song or sound that repeats itself. You would say oh, matches into this, or uh, some um, any given mantra, any given mantra, sound that repeats itself, and you meditate to it. So you are consciously getting into it, the sound of ma- the mantra, or you could try the meditation, which is um, just um like a blank space, which is the one that'm I'm, I'm trying to that I'm, I'll, I'll present later. <laughs> so you have all this um, just to put it uh, put it in a, in some kind of way. You have all these stimuli going through. Uh, you listen to things, you hear things, you uh, touch things, you smell things, you see things. And this is the only way in which we can learn about the outside world. If you, if you look at it that way, then you realize that I cannot learn if it's not uh, through my five senses. So what we're trying to do is calming down those five senses so that the mind can also be relaxed and calmed down. And um, the opposite from this would be uh, the mindfulness, or you could say it's related. Mindfulness is when you are really present and you are paying so much attention to the things that you see, you smell, you hear, you you taste everything. And this is a way of conscious meditation as well. You have uh, Meta Vavana, which is a meditation for the for forgiveness and for love. So uh, just to name a few. So you have um, ways in which the mind can be shaped. And this is definitely to, to, I would say, just to summarize it some way, that meditation helps you quiet down the noises of the mind. Mm. The, There's uh, in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, which is a a very uh, respected scripture about yoga. It says on the first uh, shloka, the first phrase says, yoga chitta, yoga chitta vritti niroda. So uh, don't quote me on that. But it is the, uh, the yoga is the cessation of the mind's modifications, you would say. So... I wow. would say meditation is the cessation of the modification of the mind. Wow! Just to name it, just to say that way, uh, would, to put it some way. <laughs> so, I I would like you to. Uh, now uh, I would like to present you some some meditation, and um, if you're driving, uh, you can save this for later. If you're sitting in a comfortable position, just uh, stay there and. Um, find a comfortable seat in a way that you'll get your spine erected erect, and feeling that the top of your head is reaching up to the sky or to the ceiling or whatever you have up top close your eyes relax your face feel that you are very tall and feel the heaviness of your seat Pay attention to the sounds. The sounds are coming up from outside. And integrate them to your meditation. It doesn't need to be an upsetting thing.
2: Focus on your breathing.
1: How is it? How is the air entering through
2: your nose
1: and where does it sit? Where does it stay? And when you're exhaling, where does it go? How is the quality of the air? Is it hot? Is it cold? Does it come out in a slow way?
2: or not. Relax your wrists, your elbows. Now we're going to do the following. Whatever thoughts you might have about the past, anything that is related to the past you just for now you just let it go anything that is related to the past
1: Whatever thought you might have about the future, let it go. Could be your
2: worries about the future, any kind of worry you might have that is related to the future, let it go. back to your breathing. If there's a thought, do not get entangled with it, but just observe it. Oh, this is a thought and let it go. If there's another thought, then come back to your breathing.
1: Now we're going to count to five, and we, when we are finished, when we count to five, then we are going to be back. So I'll come to five right now,
2: three, one, two, three, four, Prepare yourself for coming back slowly.
0: And five. I mean, wow, I feel like we should end the episode right now just so that we can take this all in. There is so much in that moment. Um, first first of all, I just want to highlight the fact that, you know, I'm not, I don't practice meditation. I've heard about the benefits of meditation in many aspects of things that we can do personal, professionally, you know, um, but I've never actually practiced it. I've tried on my own, but it's not a practice that I feel that I'm good at. And it comes to, it, I come to find out that there, there's no such thing as that. Um, but I'd like to go back to this particular practice that we just did, that I realized how many moments you reminded me to breathe, which means that I hold my breath a lot. And I'm sure that's mm-hmm. not good because, you know, when you would say breathe, I consciously realized i wasn't breathing like i was holding my breath um and that's huge right and and i feel just in being able to reconnect with the breath it's it's it calms you you know so if it, even if it's just that at the very least if we're feeling very high energy or very high emotion because of an interpreting account encounter that we just went through that was difficult, that that is one way to, to bring us back to, to center, if you will. Right. We're not thinking about the past would have been the, the encounter that we just had thinking about the future could have been, what what are we going to do next? Or, you know, what's, what's the next assignment, but just being able to, to kind of center us at the moment and focusing back on our breath so that we can relax. And of course I'm, I'm certain this takes, time to be able to really sit comfortably with this because for, for many people sitting still and in silence might feel uncomfortable, right? It, not, it might not be part of their, I don't know of their, of their practices because we're always on the go for many of us. So, uh, I love that we could have, but we could do this in a matter of a few minutes. Really quick, as you can see, it's not gonna consume your day. And yet you're able to come to many realizations just in those few in those few minutes. Before we recorded, um, Mana, you had talked about even being able to do this while you're waiting for a cup of coffee. Share yeah. with us how we can meditate while we're waiting for our coffee. what, what would that look and sound like?
1: Great. So um, first, a little bit of uh, background. Um, I I wasn't familiar with my mindfulness up till last year, I guess. And then a friend of mine asked me to join right her uh, mindfulness practice, and she said, "Okay." Uh, she began like this, right? So uh, thank you for coming here. I would like you to please uh, sip the um, the drink that you have in front of you. Could be a mate, could be tea, could be coffee. So just be really uh, the thing is um i guess that for for some people you have your actual uh, coffee machine so you can actually smell it and prepare it so in that whole process of uh, placing the beans or whatever you have to um to make it to yeah to make it work the machine and things in the meantime you can be like ask yourself to be really present and thinking maybe about when you when you touch the beans, be really present. Like this is a this was actually a plant, right? This is the fruit of a plant. How does it feel? What is the texture? What is the color? And then when you finally have your your drink in front of you, just pay attention to your your hands. How do they feel uh, when you're holding that cup? Do you hold it with one hand or two? Do you hold it with your right hand or your left one? Are you fully touching it? Are you just grazing it? What does it smell like? Is it hot? Is it cold? What is the sounds that? Uh, what are the sounds that come from outside? What does this smell remind you of? What is the difference of the temperature between your hands and the cup? And once that you sip it, you imagine like everything that is going on. Your body makes the whole uh, swallowing impossible. And take a moment to think all of that work that has gone into a cup of coffee. The person that was just on the coffee uh, on the coffee grounds, so you would say, or uh, working to make that make that possible, make. make for uh make it possible for coffee to grow first and then to be in a packet for you to buy it for you to actually use it for that to become a cup of coffee it went through a lot so just to be conscious of everything that and also you can take this to a no to another level because you also went through a lot to be in the state you're in right now. You also went through a lot to be in this morning that you're in. <laughs> you are not the person you were yesterday. And so take a moment also to ask yourself, how is my body feeling? How is my posture? Do I hold tension anywhere and why? Do I, am I thinking about this or that and why? Why? Why does it appear? Why does this cup of coffee maybe remind me of a person if it does? Or why am I thinking constantly about this idea? So this would be, an yes, an, a great exercise to do. And I hope you can do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, very so. great. Even with the cup of coffee, see, there's like no reasons why we cannot instill in our daily routine Call it whatever you will. At the end of the day, what we're doing is slowing down. Let's just slow down for a moment. Right. How many of you have ever put so much thought into one thing that's really in front of you without criticism, you know, without without judgment and just really looking at it for what it is? And everything that that went through it, I feel like if anything, it brings us to a moment of appreciation because I certainly would appreciate my cup of coffee that much more knowing how much went into it. Um, and, and, and if anything, that's really what, what comes out of, of these small little activities or practices infused in our daily routine is reminding us to, to take it slow, even if it's just for a moment before all the crazy happens, and then being able to come back to that perhaps at the end of the day. I want to take the opportunity, Mana, to thank you, for being here today, for sharing your story and sharing all of these different little practices that we can infuse in our daily routine. I feel that it was important that we brought something like this to the audience at the beginning of the year so that we start our year and the rest of the year uh, with practices that are that are here to help us, that are here to center us with, the, with who we are and why we do what we do, and so that we can continue doing what we do we need to be able to, to acknowledge that we have to take care of ourselves first in order to be able you know to to help others so mana before we go i'd like to give you the opportunity to share any last recommendations that you would like to share with the interpreting community whether it's for the seasoned professionals or for the new generation that's coming into the language industry any recommendations you'd like to share
1: Yes, I think that it's uh, all through um, all through this conversation, but uh, if you haven't already, I'm really interested in um, you, the listener, the person that's hearing this right now. I'm really interested in you taking care of yourself. Please take care of yourself because uh, this is the only body you'll have and uh, give yourself some compassion, some love. It's really important that you also take care of yourself because you're already doing making such a difference Making someone communicate, being able to communicate, whether it be as a court interpreter, a medical interpreter, a community, a conference interpreter, whatever, wherever the place you might be, you're making such a difference. So it's really important for you to take care of yourself. And I would also like to recommend a free app that is available on the Google Play Store, App Store, uh, whatever you app is your device. It's available for cell phones and it's called Medito. Medito. It's free. Uh, You have all of these different options for meditating. It teaches you the whole process and I really hope for you to use it and make the most out of it. Thank you.
0: That's a great resource. Who doesn't download apps now? (laughs) So definitely, I'll make sure to include that if possible link in the show notes as well. Thank you for sharing that. Anywhere that our listeners could find out more about you and the work that you do.
1: Of course, I... um... I guess that it would be my Instagram or maybe LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me as Mana, Classic Chaos uh, Inich. And in Instagram, <laughs> I'm a huge nerd of Dune. So you can find me as Mana, Benedictine. <laughs> so yeah, it's Dune Nerdism right there. So yeah, I'm available if you ever want to talk about uh, this or maybe something else. And thank you.
0: Definitely. I'll make sure to include the links in the episode notes. But for now, again, Mana, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for being here. And namaste. Namaste. (laughs) Hey, thanks for sticking around till the very end. If you'd like to connect with me, head on over to the website, brandtheinterpreter.com and click on the connect with me tab. You can also stay connected on social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, as Brand the Interpreter, or Mireya Perez on LinkedIn. Till next time.